You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank is not here, but one of the men that he left his fine website to is here. The current managing editor of BrewHoop.com, Mitchell Maurer, is so nice uh, to just join me and actually, you know, help me talk a little bit about this Bucks win. They win 116-109 over the Houston Rockets. Mitchell, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, for everybody listening at home, it's not just me on the episode. It's also my young son, Julian, born last week, who is currently unconscious and hopefully will stay that way the entire episode. <laughs> uh, I've gotten very good with uh, recording with babies. Uh, so I don't know if that's something I can put on my resume, but you know, I've recorded episodes with Matilda before and I'm very happy that Julian is able to make his first lockdown bucks appearance tonight with us as well. So uh, great to have both of you here. Um, but I guess let's, let's just get into it. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, Man, when I think about this game, I don't know if the – I was going to say I don't know if the Bucks have had a bigger win, but 134-111 uh, at Oracle mm-hmm. at the start of this season. I think that kind of announced that they they had arrived, they are here. Um, 105-99 over – or 104-99, excuse me, uh, over the Raptors in Toronto at the start of December. I think that was a big one. But, I mean, this one's got to go right up there with, the, with those last two just because of the way that – Harden and the Rockets have been playing as of late. Yeah, and this is this definitely should get filed under the statement win category of the Milwaukee Bucks season this year. Uh, even though the Rockets were missing Chris Paul, even though the Rockets were missing Eric Gordon, uh, James Harden has been literally on fire for a while now. Uh, he still had a tremendous offensive game. He put up 42 points on 30 shots. He shot 16 threes. Uh, 11 rebounds and six assists. Uh, he had a great game. He had a fantastic game, but even still, the Bucks made it their business to try to put him as far out of his element as they could, and that didn't result in him committing nine turnovers. It didn't result in him only logging a plus two for the game plus minus for the day. Whereas you know Milwaukee was led by Giannis, who had an absurd stat line. Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> stepped up. Uh, Chris Middleton was a little muted, but still contributed. Like everybody who got playing time, significant playing time, showed up, and they just bludgeoned the Rockets inside. And it was it was a tremendous game to watch. And hopefully, it should get the MVP conversation back on the right track in the favor of Giannis Antetokounmpo and away from James Harden, who 
A lot of Bucks fans on Twitter don't seem to be the biggest fan. Of <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. They, they, pe- people do not like James Harden all that much. But, you know, I think that's probably a good spot to start our conversation is, you know, you look at what Harden's done over the last month and I mean, it's just been bonkers. It's ridiculous. He's playing yeah. like 40 minutes a night. He's taking a million shots. Like, uh, you know, uh, I think everyone, when they're thinking about playing basketball, like just dreams of, Oh yeah, I get to take all these shots, but like it takes a lot out of you. It, like it's really difficult to create that many shots for yourself. Uh, and Harden is among the best at it. You mentioned it's sixteen threes, six of sixteen uh, from there. And I, I guess it, to me, it was it was strange watching the Bucks' first couple of possessions on him because I, I tweeted about this, but it literally reminded me of when uh, I knew that someone was left-handed in middle school. You know, guys playing middle school basketball and you're at a level where if you're, you know, really good with your left or right hand, you, you can kind of play that person to the other side. And I remember when I was in middle school, like I would just like sit on people's dominant hand and say, okay, you're going to beat me with that other hand. And that's what the bucks did to one of the best basketball players on the planet. They, they essentially just told James Harden, you are going to go right. And you, with your right hand, you're going to have to try to make something happen. And we are going to sit on the high side of, of your of your left hand. You're not going to get it. You're going to have to go with your right and make a yep. play. And obviously, Harden's incredible at snaking pick and rolls and using his body and you know finding a way to do this. But he, he legitimately struggled with that coverage. It was just something that he had – I don't know if he's seen a team go quite that extreme on him. And yeah. you know we, we saw that that was very much the game plan when uh, Mike Budenholzer almost had a coronary when George Hill the first <laughs> two times he was on him didn't, didn't handle his business and didn't play him in that way. And you could just tell Bud was – fuming he he was furious uh that it wasn't played the right way and then you saw the bucks get back to it and you know it was just uh you know we don't often see the bucks game plan specifically for anyone that's just just not something that bud does and that was a very clear and very specific game plan on james harden that you're not gonna get to use your left hand you're gonna have to beat us with your right hand and you know to James Harden's credit he's very good and still got 42 points and and really had a nice night but nine turnovers and those nine turnovers uh you also pair it with four of 16 shooting from Clint Capella and you kind of see the huge impact of Brooke Lopez obviously the guards were doing their best to push Harden towards Lopez but you know that was that was really Brooke Lopez just making any pass that that Harden had really difficult. Uh, obviously, getting his hands on some of those, just kind of getting in the way and making it very difficult. If you try to wrap around the help defenders were on that side, taking away the baseline, uh, it, it was just a, it was to me a, a really impressive team effort defensively. Absolutely. And the game plan on its face is, is really beautiful in its simplicity. You know, you kind of went back to the middle school analogy, and that's it's very much what we saw executed today. Eric Bledsoe did a tremendous job of hanging around on uh, James Harden's left side. I know there was a possession, I think it was later in the first quarter, when he was almost completely parallel to the sideline, <laughs> just alongside James Harden with his arms out like next to him at about half court. I'm like, you're, you're not going this way. You're not going this way. 
you can go you can go right, but you're not going left. Uh, and then with Brooke Lopez acting as a deterrent at the rim, you know, it really speaks to the benefits of having a you know literal human mountain manning the center <laughs> position. Like Thon Maker does interesting things. DJ Wilson has been a fun surprise for a couple of weeks uh, as a fill in at center. But you know, every once in a while, if you get just a behemoth that can protect the rim, you can make life really uncomfortable for them. And I think that what really led to uh, Harden having a more iffy finish to his night, even though he had a, you know, a very, very fiery start is forcing him to go right, or at least forcing him to work to get back to his left. And I know that happened to Malcolm Brogdon a couple of times late where Harden was able to go left is it just forced him to make more decisions. And that's not necessarily an advantage because Harden is one of the smartest offensive players in the game right now. But the more decisions you force means that there's the higher likelihood of one of those decisions being a miscalculation or a mistake. And, you know, if you, if you, it's kind of playing the numbers game the same way the Bucks try to force mid range jumpers instead of allowing corner threes or shots at the rim. Like, if you force enough suboptimal decisions, you're going to eventually benefit from a number of suboptimal outcomes. That's exactly what happened in this game. At halftime, after the Rockets went on, their you know pretty substantial run to get a lead going to the half. I was a little worried about this game. I didn't think that Milwaukee was going to necessarily have the horses to uh, keep up with, much less keep past the Houston offense, especially when Houston was shot pretty well from three, 18 out of 48 for the night, whereas the Bucks only took 27 threes, which is significantly lower than their season average and only hitting eight of them, sort of sub-30% shooting from deep for the team as a whole. But they were able to just bludgeon Houston inside in the interior. I think the disparity was something like 70 to 26 or something. For 24, 70 to 24, yes. 24. So I don't, I don't want to give them too much credit. <laughs> but uh, but they, they really wore Houston down in that huge third quarter where they had a 38 to 23 scoring margin that just blew the game wide open. And leading into the fourth, you know, things got a little tight towards the end there uh, until Giannis Adetokounmpo skied out of nowhere for that clutch tip in to make it a six point game to kind of maintain that lead through that final stretch is just can we talk a little bit about Giannis? Can we talk a little bit about Giannis and how he deserves to be MVP with his absurd production in this game? Sure. Let me talk a little bit about James Harden first, but then we can. Um with Harden, I thought the the one thing that the Bucks totally failed to do in the first half was to stay away from fouls. They they followed him on three threes. Obviously, he went to the line nine times. Uh, on the game, he shot eleven free throws. Eleven. Yeah. That means two in the second half. That, and uh, you know, I, I read a bunch of stuff about you know how you try to defend Harden and what you're going to do about him and all that stuff. And you know, the, there's always the the line that says you know you have to put your hands up. You have to have your hands up. Don't ever put your hands down because he's going to somehow bait you into a foul because yeah. he, he, his hands are so quick and strong. And by the way, by the way, Bucks fans, that's not James Harden's fault that he happens to draw foul calls because defenders <laughs> drop their hands around him. Like just because he gets fouled, that's not against him. I'm sorry. It, it sticks in my craw. Yeah, no. And he's incredible at it. There's never been, I don't know if there's ever been anyone better at drawing fouls. And, you know, that was kind of the big thing tonight was that if you watch it, and again, obviously I've written about 
breaking down Eric Bledsoe's defense before, but you know, if you if you go and look at kind of what Bledsoe was doing, watch him every time he approached James Harden or every time James Harden was getting ready to dribble. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't okay. I'm in my stance, hands down on my side. It was okay. I'm going to be on Harden's left side, and both my hands are going to be as far extended out as possible. Like yep. you are, you are going to very clearly see that I am not touching James Harden. That that the only thing that could possibly be touching him is my chest. Everything else, everything else, is far out there as possible. And you know, even on on some of those possessions, there was that huge possession late where Middleton gets switched on to Harden, and yep. it looked like he was going to be trouble because Middleton was squared up with them, just you know, face to face, and. To Chris's credit, there's about nine seconds left on the shot clock. He realizes where he's at. He immediately hops over to that side and says, okay, I got to get over here. Hops him over to that side, forces him in that direction. And then Malcolm Brogdon comes over, doubles, forces the ball out of his hands. They ultimately end up getting a shot clock uh, violation against the Rockets. And it was Mm. just this incredible defensive possession where, you know, you don't see the Rockets really – really struggle with stuff like that. Like where, okay, Harden got the ball force out of his hands. We know what we're doing. Like we see this all the time in there. It was just, you know, it got forced out of his hands a little bit later than they thought. And they just weren't, it never felt like the Rockets were really comfortable with the way the Bucks were defending. And, you know, I think for good reason, because it was surprising and it was different and it was unusual. So um, I- I'm curious if they could do that across the seven game series. You need to have a great series defensively from Brooke Lopez, a great series from Eric Bledsoe, but um you know, I think that's something you you worry about in May or June, uh, not something that you worry about now. But you you go out and get a win over the Rockets, one sixteen one hundred nine tonight. All right, you mentioned Giannis um, before when you said, you know, there there might have been a, a reason why Harden wasn't quite as good in the second half. I was like, oh, because Giannis rocked his face with a pass. Um, yeah, pre- appreciate it. Enter the pre- concussion protocol after that. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going, but uh, that that's obviously a highlight of the night and obviously got gift by a bunch of people and uh, everyone has kind of joked about that. But, you know, it, it, I had a, I had a conversation uh, on 105.7, the fan during the big mm. shutter day um, where my good friend Steve Sparky Pfeiffer had asked me, like, you know, okay, if it comes down to the end of the game, the game's tied with two minutes left, you know, who do you really trust to to have an impact on this game and win that the game for their team? Is it Giannis or is it Harden? And, you know, I'd kind of said, like, okay, well, do I get to include defense? And he was like, well, yeah, but, you know, you got to score the ball in the final two minutes. I was like, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, like, if we're if we're really going to talk about this, we have to talk about, like, the entire the entirety of the impact that Giannis can have. And, you know, it, it wasn't quite tied with two minutes left, but it was a close game with about three and a half minutes left. And, you know, I, I, I think to the play where Giannis gets the mismatch in the post, they send mm-hmm. the double, and – Somehow he throws a bounce pass across the lane to oh, Bledsoe. That was a beautiful on a, feed on the baseline. Yeah, on a cut from the corner, and it was just like, okay, um, he didn't score. He didn't take a step back three. Um, he didn't get a dunk. I, I understand all of those concerns that people have about Giannis and the clutch yep. and whether or not he can do this. And it's like, well, if he finds a teammate for a wide open layup or dunk, that that's a winning play. 
yeah. it's, it seems pretty good to me. It seems like, like that would be a good thing and something you want on your team. And, you know, I just thought you kind of saw those plays throughout and you, you saw another one with that tip in with Middleton. Middleton uh, was the guy that they kind of went to in that position. He tries the floater and all of a sudden Giannis comes out of nowhere and tips it in. And all of a sudden the, you have the Bucks going up uh, 112-106 because of that tipping. And, and the game was pretty much over there. Like there was just a, a bunch of plays down the stretch that Giannis, Giannis made. And they were plays that only Giannis can make. And uh, when you look at the entirety of the game, a 27-21 line, um, there's not a lot of guys that can do that anymore uh like that that's not really something you see a whole lot of uh you add five assists onto it and you have a a line that guys really can't do and i just thought you watch Giannis, and uh it's it's kind of funny at this point that you know two there's all I could see on that tip in that he made was the game winner he he hit against the Celtics, where he had a, a tipper a tip in 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 the exact same way, where he's just lingering around the basket. They're they're using his gravity a little bit to let someone else try to attack, and all of a sudden he gets a tip in, and it, it's just a play that only he can make. It, it seems like on those plays. Somehow, when the game's on the line, the ball goes in the air, and Giannis gets to stay in the air a second longer than anyone else, and is just able to make a play. Yeah, we could we could make this instead of locked on Bucks, it could just be locked on Giannis, and we could breathlessly categorize and collate every single play that he's ever made over his career, which you know is only in you know, his sixth season, and we still would be taking it for granted. The fact that he can contribute in so many different ways, like he's so far from a one trick pony. And if you, you know, shift back over to Harden for just a second, after Giannis had that great tip in Harden had a couple chances to hit shots to bring the game close together. Again, he dropped quote unquote, dropped Malcolm Brogdon. He bumped him on the drive and maybe <laughs> pushed off and maybe could have gotten the call, but he didn't. And that's fine. But he, he got Malcolm Brogdon on the ground and did that, that patented hesitation before he, you know, took the pull up three and he missed it short. And then they got, the offensive rebound Houston did, and they found their way to get the ball back to Harden, and he took another three, and it was short again. Like that was that was his best effort to get it, and it did. If it didn't fall, it didn't fall. And that's it. And that's game. Whereas with Giannis, if his shot isn't falling, okay, well I'm gonna hit the boards, or I'm going to get my teammates involved, or I'm going to seal off the rim from the weak side. Or whatever the case I'm just thinking of the, that be. third quarter where Giannis attacks late at the end of the third quarter, gets a jump ball called. There's probably a little contact there, but he gets it called. Yeah. And then you have the jump ball with 2.7. He tips it out to Gerson, oh who gets a, ju- a chance at a jumper. He misses it. And then all of a sudden he gets a, a volleyball set into the into to, to end the quarter on a buzzer beater that, again, only Giannis could do. Like, it's there's, absurd. There's not someone else there that could tip the ball to Urson and then somehow find his way to the opposite side of the rim and get a tip in on the shot that he created for that guy. Like, it, it, there's just, it, he's a singular talent, and there's only, there's only so many guys that could do, you know, one or two of those things, let alone all of them <laughs> all the time. And he, he's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's 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 messing around putting up Kevin Love and Minnesota numbers, except his team is actually good. 
And it's just, it's a joy to be along for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right. Well done making me talk about Giannis very early in an episode. Frank and I often struggle with that task. We (laughs) talk about all of the other little things that matter more because we kind of take his greatness for granted. And, um, I guess there's two guys that I want to highlight outside of Giannis. Uh, the first is Malcolm Brogdon, 24 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, uh, nine of 12 shooting. And yeah. it, it was just another one of those nights where uh, I'm curious to watch, you know, what teams do in the playoffs because I just think, and again, I mentioned this on my, one of my radio hits this afternoon, like he just screws up the calculus for teams. Yep. Because you're supposed to have, all right, you you have your five star, you you have your five starters, and okay, so you have your star, you know, you have a second guy, you know, maybe you have a third guy, and with the Bucks, you you know, it's Giannis, it's Chris, it's, it's Bledsoe, and and then you know, like the fourth and fifth guy are supposed to just just kind of be there, and you know, just just kind of contribute. Maybe they can hit some corner threes, maybe they can rebound a little bit, and then all of a sudden with the Bucks, you have. Did the fourth option, fifth option? I don't even know how you number all the, all the options, but one of those four guys, or one of those final two guys is Malcolm Brogdon. And then the other one is Brooke Lopez. And those are guys that I think just totally screw up the calculus for other teams because you, you're thinking, okay, I got to put my best biggish defender on Giannis. I got to put my point guard on Bledsoe. And then I got to put my best wing defender on Middleton. And then, okay, well, your second best wing has to cover Malcolm Brogdon. And he just doesn't miss at the rim. He always finds a way to get there. He gets straight line drives all the time because this offense makes things so difficult for you. Like you just have no way to contain him. And then, oh, Brooke Lopez, yeah, you got to cover him 33, 35 feet away from the basket. Like it, it just, it just screws with everything. And it's really compounded when Brogdon is getting those curl cuts that he's getting. He's getting those back doors. Like he's just finding ways to get to the basket and make all of this work. And, you know, going nine of 12 for 24 points is just, just ridiculous. So, so you add yeah. six for six from the free throw line. Uh, I guess the, the Bucks three point numbers are probably down a little bit tonight. Cause he didn't end up taking, he only took one. And uh, I guess, Sterling Brown takes eight of them and that helped, but everyone else kind of had their numbers deflate a little bit from the three point line tonight. But I mean, Malcolm Brogdon kind of, I don't want to say won them the game, but you know, when there was moments where they were struggling moments where they needed a basket, they were drawn up either one-on-ones for Malcolm or, you know, some sort of action that gave him an advantage that he could get a straight line and drive on somebody. Yeah, I think that he has significantly improved his ability to make quick decisions and being decisive with the ball. And more often than not, especially the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing that those have been the right decisions. And I know that you and Frank noted on the the most recent episode that once he gets even with a guy on the drive, once he gets his shoulders even with the defender, like he's going to get to the rim because he's much broader and much stronger than most guards or wings that are going to be guarding him. And he's got that offhand, awkward, you know, right hand on the left side of the rim layup down to a science where he knows the exact (laughs) angle that he has to take. He knows the exact, you know, arc that he has to hit the ball off the glass in order for it to rattle around on the rim and actually drop. Uh, He's just, he's been really, really impressive. And kind of going back to the point you made about Brogdon Lopez as the quote unquote fourth and fifth 
options or fourth and fifth starters on the team. I think that it kind of goes back to Budenholzer and the egalitarian approach that he takes to the team's offense. And it really is just kind of taking what the defense is giving. Like the Bucks only took 27 threes tonight. They didn't hit very many of them because they didn't find themselves in a position to shoot threes that were open, that were advantageous shots. You know, maybe they could have gotten into a shootout with Houston. Maybe they would have won. Maybe they wouldn't have. But what they did have is they had open lanes to get to the rim and the opportunity to get the ball near the basket. And that's exactly what they did. You know, that's obviously that's Giannis's, you know, speciality is getting the ball to the rim and finishing at a very high rate. But Malcolm Brogdon is extremely good at it too. Eric Bledsoe, when he makes that, when he's decisive and he takes that real quick first step to get to the rim and he's got space, like he's a really good finisher. Uh, Brooke Lopez, because he's hanging out outside the arc, is creating all sorts of room for those guys to do exactly those things and pulling either a center or a slower wing away from the rim, which just take, you know, creates a more available space. You know, and Chris isn't exactly the kind of guy who's going to drive to the rim that often, but he's you know, not a bad finisher and certainly has been able to make his hay in the mid-range and, you know, going two from five tonight from the three-point line. You know, maybe his mojo is starting to return as an outside shooter. But the team has so many ways in the starting lineup that they can kill you on offense. And, you know, the fact that they actually have depth, they have competent depth, you know, they're, they're a guard that they're bringing off the bench instead of Matthew Delvadova. Now it's George Hill. Sterling Brown has become a bona fide rotation level wing. You know, Tony Snell only got seven minutes tonight. It just wasn't his night for the rotation, but Tony Snell is dependable. Like you can get stuff done with Tony Snell. Ursula Ilyasova is, you know, maybe a little bit washed because he's a little bit older, but he still is productive. You know, like yeah, the, his the two threes were big tonight. Like he, he, both of them were one. Well, one came after Giannis whipped that pass off of Harden's face, but you know the other one was in the first half and it was a spot where they needed it. So, yep. Um, you know, th- I I happened to flip over uh, and catch a little bit of the ESPN like post game, and they had mentioned just kind of the fact like Spucks team is legit, and it's like, yep, yeah. Uh, they are, uh, and and Chauncey Bills was like, I keep telling people, but no one will believe me. And you know, maybe it does take something like this where they end up beating the the Rockets on the road and uh, having a win like this. But you know, this team is so deep, and you mentioned Sterling Brown, and I was just, you know, obviously I've I've been a guy that thought Sterling was bound for serious NBA rotation minutes from pretty close to the moment they drafted him. Like I, I just think his game makes a lot of sense and you know i think we're we're really starting to see him grow into some confidence here where Mm -hmm. he he just kind of he just kind of believes that he should be out there and knows that he should be making plays because you know there was i mean there was sterling brown playmaking reps tonight where for some reason him and ursan managed to get into uh, a little two-man game on the left side of the floor and there's one where sterling kind of gets strung out as he's going over to the right side and all of a sudden he whips a pocket pass into ursan and ursan i think touches it for a millisecond and somehow taps it into the rim and uh, gets a bucket there. And then uh, a possession later, the exact same look happens and Sterling gets strung out again, then turns the corner and lays one up and in. And uh, then on the other end, he strips a, a ball away from Harden and the Bucks go the other way and, and get a bucket in that direction. And, you know, there's just, 
Yeah, I think for so long you've been able to watch Sterling Brown and be like, oh yeah, he can make an impact defensively. But the the Sterling Brown of the last couple of weeks has been a guy that feels confident, that feels empowered offensively, yeah. that that can go out there like thirteen points and four assists and three rebounds for Sterling Brown and in 21 minutes tonight that three for eight from the three point line. And there was a couple that, you know, felt heat checky. Like, Oh, okay. Scrambling's going to take that one. But you know, I think that just speaks to, again, as you mentioned that the egalitarian approach to the offense, but uh, just the, the empowered way in which guys play under Mike Boonholzer, they just feel like they're able to, to go out there and play with confidence and, and not really have any fear. And I just thought, Sterling, I tweeted out like I think we're almost entering Sterling Brown game territory, and I just thought that you mentioned that third quarter run where they go thirty eight twenty three in the third quarter, and Sterling Brown was a huge part of that and a huge part of kind of opening this game up for the Bucks. Yeah, he was, and he's easily one of the most scrappy players. You know, no offense to the departed Matthew Delvadova, but he's one of the more scrappy players on the Bucks. Like if you had to pick one guy who might be the team's enforcer, like it would be Sterling Brown. You know, he's about that action. He always has been. Um, but he's he's really improved his kind of vision. I know that uh, during the offseason, you know, much was made about Mike Boonholzer wanting wings that could pass dribble shoot. You got to be able to do all three. It led to drafting Dante DiVincenzo over some of the other options that were there. You know, it made a lot of people concerned about Tony Snell and whether he would fit because, yeah, he can shoot, but could he pass? Could he dribble? And, you know, despite only getting seven minutes tonight, Tony Snell did some pretty nifty things out there on the court. I know you had your nightly Tony Snell did what update, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Uh, but Sterling Brown has, you know, he's got that talent where, yeah, he can shoot, but, you know, he's really improved at putting the ball on the deck and doing things with it. I know he had a nifty pocket pass in the Utah game to George Hill when the game was still pretty tight. Um, he's just he's he's got a certain freedom to play the game the way that he sees it and the way that he knows that he can, and I think that is the kind of freedom that everybody, you know, one through twelve, is playing with on this Bucks team right now, and that has led them to a twenty nine eleven record after forty games, which I don't think any of us would have predicted. Yeah, and it, it you know it's just kind of funny thinking about kind of how the Bucks have won games throughout this season. Like, if I would have told you that. You know, Bledsoe and Middleton combined for 25 uh, at the start of the season in a game that the Bucks beat the Rockets. You'd be like, no, what, what happened? Did Giannis score 50? Like, how did this work? <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden, Middleton doesn't have a, a very good night. He is 5 of 14 from the field. Bledsoe was just 5 of 11, uh, 5 assists. Middleton had 4 assists. But, like, overall, like, not super impactful. And then all of a sudden it's Malcolm Brogdon that's that's kind of carrying the, the second score torch here for a little while. And, you know, there was – I mean, you think it kind of – it kind of peaked, uh, kind of peaked with Splash Mountain in Denver. Uh, ironically oh, enough, oh, like, oh, Eric, no, 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 that, no, 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 no. We're three. not going over that. Three. That was so good. That was so good. <laughs> I saw it coming. I was like, uh, okay, whatever. I'm going to keep going with it. Um, but you know, it did kind of peak there, where it was like, okay, maybe Brooke Lopez is is your second or third score. And you know, Middleton came out. I mean, just absolutely on fire for the first month, and it just feels like. Okay, if one of those guys isn't playing great, someone else is going to pick it up. Like they're going to figure out a way that this Bucks team is going to score enough points and, you know, have a great night again. 
offensive rating of 114 tonight, a defensive rating of 107. So not the best night defensively, but against well, the, you're playing Houston. Uh, yeah, that's okay against the Houston Rockets. Like that's that's more than enough. And um, you know it, it it's just a, another way that this team won a game, and that seems to be the the kind of defining characteristic of this team is that they just find ways to win games. And obviously when you have a, a top five offense and defense and efficiency, that that becomes a little bit easier. And that means that both of those things are very good, but it from night to night, it seems like they can just kind of find a way and they keep doing it. And they did it again tonight after, you know, a first half where I don't know if everyone thought that would be, that would be what would happen, yeah. uh, especially with the way that it closed out. So um, a big win for the Bucks, 116-109. Um, I think I heard my homie Julian start start going a little bit there. So I'm going to, I think, wrap it up here unless you have any uh, anything you want to say as a final thought here, Mitchell. No, it's uh, I was probably the most resistant to hop on the Milwaukee Bucks hype train earlier in the season. You know, people were talking about 55, 60 wins, you know, after the first couple of weeks. And I was like, yeah, you know, 50 is what I expected, 52, 53. Um, but they seem to be on pace for more than that. They seem to have a formula that works. You know, Giannis is reliable. He's almost always going to put up the numbers that you need to have a fighting chance against any team yeah. in the league. You know, you have another starter that can do it. Like, usually it's Chris, but sometimes it's Brooke or Eric or Malcolm. And then you have big bench players that are going to be pitching as well. Like, tonight it was Sterling and Urson, but some nights it's going to be George Hill or Fawn Maker against Utah or Tony Snell when Tony Snell gets hot or DJ Wilson when he inexplicably returns and is somehow a useful rotation level player, which I still don't understand, but I will take it. It's it, the team is a lot of fun. You know, it's, I try to be cautious. Just, I think uh, me and Frank are cut from similar cloth and that we've been burned too many times before, but you know what? <laughs> like, like I'm, my, my, I'm casting aside my shell. Like I'm all in on this season. It's a lot of fun. They've got a lot going for them. You know, as long as they stay healthy and they keep sticking to the game plan that Budenholzer puts together, like there's, there's no reason why this team can't win any game that they play. And that is, invigorating yeah it absolutely should be and it's funny you mentioned Giannis is always going to get those points and you know I think that's one of the things that gets uh overlooked when all the complaints come out about oh you know Giannis has got to find a jump shot and all that stuff well you, you know what jump shooters can do they can get cold you you can't you can't get all that cold dunking the basketball like uh, <laughs> obviously Giannis took thirty shots to get thirty points uh, against the Jazz but obviously it's a huge credit to Rudy Gobert but he still got thirty points uh, he, he still found a way uh, to to keep getting to the basket keep attacking keep making it difficult on the other team and you know with the the constant pressure that he puts on other on opponents like it it's just going to be a tough night for you every single time you play the bucks because because of what he does and where he does it uh his his constant presence at the rim on both sides of the floor like you're just gonna have to deal with it for all 48 minutes and you better hope by the end of it you're your team can kind of handle it and not have a breakdown or not have some moments where, where it doesn't go right for you. So um, yeah, this, the season's going to continue to be a lot of fun. A huge win for the bucks is they get a 116 109 victory over the Rockets on the road in Houston. Uh, 
Bucks move to 29 and 11 on the season. They'll be going to Washington next to play the Wizards, who I believe, if I have it right, yes, they beat the Sixers 123-106 earlier tonight. Hey, that's fun. Hey, thanks, Washington. Yeah, so well done, Wizards. Uh, we'll see if they can bring that type of effort to to the game against the Bucks on Friday night. But for now, that is going to be it for us on Lockdown Bucks. A big thanks to Mitchell Maurer for stopping by. Keep doing all the good stuff you're doing over at Brew Hoop. Thank you, buddy. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.